Hello, all my beautiful friends, and welcome back to the Raising Healers podcast. Thank you all for tuning in today, and I hope your weeks have been beautiful and blessed. In today's episode, I'm going to be talking about homeschooling, why we are choosing to homeschool, what homeschooling looks like for us, because the beautiful thing about homeschooling is that it looks different for every family, and that's a good thing. And finally, how homeschooling is going to help me on my journey of raising my children to be kind, compassionate human beings who want to help contribute to the beauty in this world. So let's get to it. I would like to begin this conversation by first disclosing that neither my husband nor myself were actually homeschooled. I went to public school for grades kindergarten through 12th grade and um, a Christian preschool before that. And my husband went to a small private Christian school from preschool through 12th grade. Unlike myself, my husband did have a few friends who were homeschooled. And so the idea of homeschooling wasn't as foreign to him as it was to me. To me, the idea of homeschooling had always seemed like this sort of fantasy. And growing up, I always imagined homeschooling to involve sleeping in, staying in pajamas all day, getting to do whatever you want and not having to study for this spelling test or that math test. I actually remember asking my mom, who is a middle school principal working in a public city school district, if she would quit her job and just homeschool us all, me and my four siblings, because my 12 or 13 year old idea of what homeschooling was like seemed so much better than public school. Obviously, homeschooling is so much more than what I imagined it to be when I was younger. While I was growing up, both of my parents worked um, full-time, very demanding and time-consuming jobs, and that was great for them, and I had a beautiful, wonderful childhood. But I always imagined that when I became a mother, I would stay at home. I kind of wanted the opposite childhood for my children than the one I got. Not saying that my childhood was bad, because it wasn't, and not saying my parents were neglectful, because they were not, Um, but I just kind of longed for a slower way of life. My siblings and I all were pretty into sports, and so we were at school for, you know, seven to eight hours a day. We'd wait, first, we'd wake up, you know, 6 o'clock in the morning, 5.30 in the morning, get ready for school, eat breakfast, go to school for 7 or 8 hours, go to practice, come home, do homework, and then we got to see my mom and dad for maybe an hour or two before bedtime. And weekends were spent trying to catch up on housework that hadn't gotten done during the week because, you know, both my parents worked. My siblings and I were in school, and so things just kind of got pushed to the weekend. Um, So weekends were spent doing that, um, going to church on Sunday, and running around to this sporting event or that sporting event. And we did not have a whole lot of time to just be a family. And I hesitate to say that because... I want to emphasize that my childhood was wonderful um, and my parents are wonderful, but I decided that when I became a mom, I was going to do things differently. And I always knew that I wanted to be a writer and I always had this vision of being a stay-at-home mom and writing. And that is something that I felt very strongly about and luckily my husband um, felt that that was a good dynamic for our family to have. So my husband works and 
I stay home with my two children, our two children. And I have worked before. Um, I worked in childcare and was a preschool teacher. And while I was doing that, both of my children were in daycare at the childcare center that I worked at, which was really great because I got to see them, you know, walking in the halls, we saw each other. And um, my son's classroom was actually right across the hall from mine. So he could look at me through the doorway, we could look at each other. Um, and on my breaks, I could, you know, poke my head in and see how they were doing. And so it was really the best possible situation for a working mother to have. Um, because I was right there with my kids. But it was not perfect. Because still, I was I was working 10-hour days, so I would work Monday through Thursday, or actually I think it was Tuesday through Friday, um, 10 hours each day. And so my children were in childcare for 10 hours every day, except for the weekend. And I was also going to school online during the time, during that time. I do have a cold, so if I sound nasally, that's why. Um, and I apologize for the annoying sniffing. But I was going to school full-time, working full-time, being a mom full-time. And I just felt like, you know, I'd wake up in the morning a couple hours before my kids and do school. And then I'd wake my kids up, or I'd hop in the shower, get dressed, wake my kids up feed them breakfast, pack all of our lunches, we'd head out the door, you know, drive 30 minutes to school, get to to school, which is what I called it for the kids, um, and they'd go in their classrooms, I'd go in my classroom, and then I wouldn't really see them for any significant amount of time for 10 hours. And then I'd pick them up from their classrooms, we'd get in the car, we'd drive 30 minutes home, and then it was like, immediately once we got home I put my kids on the couch turn on the tv so I could take the dog out because we live in an apartment so I have to take him out on a leash um and I needed them to be somewhat entertained so that I knew they weren't getting into anything while I did that so then I'd come back inside with my dog start making supper feed the kids supper while they were in front of the tv so that I could eat my supper and have a moment to myself because I had been around you know, four and five-year-olds all day, and then I just needed a moment <laughs> to myself. So I'd sit at the table, eat my dinner by myself. The kids would finish up. It would be bath time, story time, and then bedtime. And then after they went to bed, I would do school for another couple hours and then go to bed. And it was just such a rushed and hectic schedule that we were on. And I felt like the only times I was seeing my kids were when we were getting to go out, getting ready to go out the door and getting ready to come back in the door and then putting them to bed where they would fall asleep, you know, within 10 minutes because they were so tired from the day. And they did enjoy seeing their friends. Um, and obviously we're not doing that anymore. And my daughter still does talk about all of the friends she had and her teacher and she plays daycare with her baby dolls. Um, so I know, you know, they weren't traumatized by it or anything, but there were definitely mornings where I felt so guilty for waking my children up so early to get ready to go to school. I'd walk in and they'd be sound asleep and waking them up when I knew their little bodies needed that sleep was horrible. And then oftentimes it'd be a fight to get them dressed and get them out the door because they didn't want to go to school that day or they wanted to stay home or they missed mommy. And there were days when I would drop off, you know, my son and he'd cry and want to and hold on to my leg or I'd drop off my daughter and she wouldn't want to give me her pacifier and she'd hold her blanket the whole time. And you could just tell that they just needed their mom. And... All this time, you know, I, I, I felt very drawn to homeschooling, the idea of homeschooling and a natural childhood, a slow childhood, a childhood where, you know, the mom is present in the home and present in all faculties of her child's life. I felt very drawn to that my entire childhood, I would say, or like adolescent childhood. And um, 
my sister-in-law and I were actually pregnant at the same time. Um, about four, our children, my nephew and my daughter are about four months different. My nephew is four months older than my daughter and my sister-in-law's husband and his sister were both homeschooled. And so she always talked about homeschooling my nephew and we would have conversations together and the more that I talked with her the more it felt like this idea was weighing on my heart and so the more we talked the more I researched and the more I researched the more I kind of fell in love with this idea of homeschooling and so you know, for financial reasons, I started working and we kind of just got stuck in this rut of, well, this is the way things have to be. And it was not fun. I was not enjoying, the time I spent with my children was not enjoyable because it was getting ready to go out the door, getting ready to come in the door, fighting with them in the bathtub, fighting with them to get their PJs on, and then fighting with them about bedtime. And I decided that we needed a change. Um, the pandemic happened and that kind of was the push start that I needed to, to step back a little bit and say, okay, you know what? Yes, money is important, but you know, we have family that will help us if we need help. My husband is working a great job. He's willing to, you know, pick up extra shifts if he needs to. And what is the priority that we have for our family and for our children? And so we kind of had to step back and take a look at everything. And this pandemic has been difficult. And that's such an easy word to say. But it has been difficult for a variety of different reasons for my family. However... It has been a huge blessing because it caused me to stop and evaluate and redirect and reorient the way that my family was going. So that is really why we started homeschooling. Um, I wanted to provide my children with a slower paced, natural, um, family oriented, organic childhood. And I know I sound super, you know, hippie. And I don't know if there's this term in other countries, but in America, we use the word crunchy, like a crunchy mom or a granola mom. And I know I sound like that. But it's the truth. It's it's what God has put on my heart for my family, the calling that I have from God for my family. And I truly have felt this calling to homeschool. And I know that it is coming from God because I have bucked this feeling so many times. I don't have a degree. You know, you luckily don't need a degree to be a writer. Um, and school just was not the avenue that I needed to go down. Um, so I don't have a college degree, let alone a college degree in education. Um, I do have experience teaching preschool and working in childcare. And I have the, you know, biological feelings of a mother anyway, the nurturing, um, kind of feelings that God innately puts in women, but I felt ill-equipped to homeschool my children. I was not homeschooled, like I said, so I did not really have any firsthand experience with homeschooling. I did not know what it entailed. Um, I had done extensive research. Well, not extensive. I had done a little bit of research when I became pregnant with my daughter, my first child, but then, you know, when I started working, that kind of all went locked in the closet. And so I felt very ill-equipped. I felt very afraid that I would stunt my children or 
ruin their chances of getting a good job or getting into a good college or um, withhold, you know, quality education from them. I worried that I would stunt them socially. I worried that I would stunt them emotionally. You always hear that, um, that kind of stereotype that, well, homeschooling kids are just weird. They're just socially awkward. They don't know how to be around people. They don't know how to talk to people. And I was terrified of all of those things. So my husband and I talked quite a bit um, about sending my daughter, who's four, to preschool, like three day a week, three hours a day. I think it was like Monday, Wednesday, Friday from like nine to noon. Um, So we talked about sending her to preschool where I used to teach. Um, And I actually used to teach at the school that my husband went through preschool through 12th grade. So it was a private Christian school. It's also our church. Um, And I know all of the teachers there, most of them. I at least know all of the preschool teachers there, um, all of the childcare teachers there. My daughter knows all the teachers there. So it's a very familiar, very comforting place. I know what their curriculum is. Um, I know that it aligns very closely with our family values. So for me, I kind of felt like, okay, if I can't homeschool or if I won't homeschool, this is the next best thing. And so we had actually talked about sending her there in the fall. Um, and then COVID continued and I did not feel like it was safe at the time to send her. So we said, okay, well, next fall. And I, you know, just kind of put the idea of homeschooling on the back burner, just kind of locked it up, you know, in a small place in my brain, just kind of ignored it. I kept trying to ignore it and I kept trying to ignore it. And it felt like the harder and harder I tried to ignore this calling to homeschool my children, the more I saw homeschooling you know, profiles pop up on Instagram, or the more I would hear something about homeschooling, you know, God was just trying to get in touch with me in all these different ways. And so finally, I was like, you know what, I'm just going to be brave. And we're going to try this, you know, we're not sending her to preschool anyway, right now because of the pandemic. So let's just give it a trial, right? And the more and more I got involved in it and the more we kind of started establishing rhythms and I started reading more um, and following all of these different homeschooling feeds on Instagram, the more and more I just felt like, yes, this is what I need to do. This is the path that I am supposed to be on. This is the way my children are supposed to grow up. You know, this is what their childhood is supposed to look like. And it just felt so right, even though I was scared, even though I felt ill-equipped, even though I had absolutely no idea how I was going to do this. And, you know, I'm still scared of all of those things. Um, You know, I struggle with mental health issues. I have anxiety and depression. And, you know, there are days where it's just, okay, I need to survive this day. You know, I'm counting down the hours until I can go back to bed. So what am I going to do on those days when, you know, it's my child's education and, and, you know, everything's hanging on me. And so, you know, I do worry about that still. Um, I still do worry about being ill-equipped. But this is the calling that I feel like God has put on my heart and I cannot ignore it anymore. So... I've prayed very, very heavily, and I and my husband, we both have decided, you know what, we're just going to make that leap of faith and say, yes, we are homeschooling, you know, and the good thing is, it's not like once I say that, I'm locked into, oh, well, you've declared you're homeschooling, so your child is not allowed in public school and not allowed in private school, you know, if you try and enroll, we're going to reject your enrollment because you've declared you're homeschooling. So it's not like that. Um, 
actually the school I used to teach at, my husband's school that he went to, they have a co-op program where homeschooling children in high school can choose to take certain classes um, like calculus and um, physics and, you know, all sorts of different things. They can, they can opt to do like a half day or to just take certain classes or whatever, um, which is really cool and, and such a blessing. Um, but yeah, for right now, we've decided, you know what, we are going to say it. We're going to declare it. We're going to own it. We are homeschooling our children. And it felt really, really good to say that. So, um, I also mentioned that I was going to talk a little bit about what our our homeschooling day looks like and, you know, what homeschooling looks like for us. So I could talk, you know, I could do a podcast on every single philosophy surrounding homeschooling because there are so many and I could dive into all of the details and honestly, I don't know as much as I would like to know about all of these different philosophies yet, I'm still learning. Um, but being in the homeschooling community, you hear words like Charlotte Mason, Montessori, Waldorf, um, unschooling, wild schooling, classical schooling, you know, all these different um, sort of phrases. And I had no idea what any of these meant. meant obviously, in the beginning, I had no idea, so I started doing some research, um, started connecting with different moms and a dad (laughs) on Instagram, and kind of learning from them, seeing what worked for their kids, what didn't work for their kids, what methods they used, and um, was very drawn to like-minded families or families homeschooling um, in a like-minded way as what I wanted to do for my kids. So um, one of the things that is very important to my husband and I is getting outside into nature. So we believe very strongly that it is the natural way of the child to romp and play and climb and explore and experience the world with their entire bodies it's very difficult and I know this because my mother-in-law is a teacher my sister-in-law has her teaching degree and taught for a year and she's currently teaching um, online my mother's a middle school principal and she was a teacher and a vice principal you know before that my best friend is a teacher um One of my other best friends, her mom, who I think of as a second mom, is a teacher. So I have very, um, very many avenues into the teaching world, the public school and private school teaching world. Um, And I know that it's a struggle that teachers have to deal with um, kids not sitting in their seat or wiggling. I know they've even made a wiggle mat that you can put on your chair or on your kid's chair that is like squishy and makes it a little bit more comfortable for them. Um, But I know that there is quite a lot of difficulties with children staying in their seats. And you know, it's because children weren't designed to stay in seats, right? It's very difficult to experience the world when you're sitting at a desk in a classroom for eight hours a day, you know, reading textbooks or looking at maps or, um, you know, whatever else they do. And I do want to make a quick, quick side note. I am not saying that public school or private school or traditional schooling is bad at all. Um, Obviously, I know a great many educators, and I have a great respect for educators. Um, Not everybody can homeschool, you know, it's not the calling for everybody, and that's okay. Um, But luckily, you know, I live in an area where I have the freedom to educate my child, my children, the way that I see fit, and this is just what works for us. So, anyway, sorry, I kind of went off 
down a rabbit hole. Um, but getting out to nature is very important to my husband and I. Letting our kids experience the world with their entire body um, is important to us. So we do a lot of um, crick walking and hiking and um, just being outside, climbing trees, digging holes, um, building fairy houses, reading outside, writing outside, um, drawing our letters in the dirt or mud with sticks, you know, um, building forts, all these different things. And so that was really important to us. Um, what was also important to us was our children learning about the natural world around them, you know, so learning how to identify certain plants and trees, um, learning how to identify, you know, venomous snakes from non-venomous snakes, um, different birds in our area, because all of it just connects you to, you know, the earth and where you're from and you get the bigger picture, right? So like what better way to study ecosystems and habitats than knowing the ecosystem and habitat that you're in. So that was really important. Um, as a writer and a very voracious reader, um, literature is extremely important to me. Um, my husband is also a pretty heavy reader, but his he likes to read more nonfiction stuff, whereas I am more fiction and poetry. Um, creative writing type stuff and that's fine um, but you know literature having a literature based curriculum was really important to me so that was another thing that I was looking for um, I also wanted I wanted a curriculum because I liked the structure that a curriculum provided <clears throat> and I liked having something hold me accountable, you know, like, am I reaching the milestones I need to reach? Um, and just something that I could check off to make sure that I'm doing, you know, what I need to be doing for my kids that kind of eased my fear of, oh, I'm going to stunt them, you know, or they're not going to be as smart as other kids because I'm going to not teach them this on accident or whatever. So I did want a curriculum, um, but I wanted a curriculum that allowed me to have the freedom of, you know, choosing kind of what we did on each day or how I presented something. Um, so that was something that I was looking for as well. Um, and I kind of took everything. I also wanted a Christian-based um, homeschooling kind of curriculum, not necessarily curriculum although yes when they're older because they're still in preschool right now but um when they're older I definitely want to look for something that is more Christian based um I am Catholic my husband is non-denominational and so we've kind of decided you know just general Christian curriculum will be good for our family um because you know the nuts and bolts of our faiths are exactly the same Catholicism has a lot of extra you know, like traditions and um, ceremonial type things that kind of go on top of the nuts and bolts. Um, and that's all things, those are all things that I can teach my children, you know, additionally. And my husband has no problem with me teaching them additionally um, about the Catholic faith. Because ultimately, you know, the most important thing is that my children know Jesus. And love him and recognize him as their savior. So it does not matter to me whether they choose to become Catholic or not, um, confirmed in the Catholic church, as long as they, um, you know, he's the center of their life. That's important to me. So anyway, I started researching these different methods and kind of just you know, looked for what aligned with what I was looking for. So is it, you know, nature-based check? Is it literature-based check? And so um, Charlotte Mason, her philosophy on education aligned very closely with what I 
um, you know, my beliefs about homeschooling or my philosophies, my personal philosophies. So I kind of started leaning towards her. And then I learned about Waldorf. So I started kind of leaning towards that. And then I, you know, kind of, um, I read the book, The Wild and Free, um, which I have right here. It's by Ainsley Arment. It's a fantastic book. I highly recommend it. Um, it's called The Call of the Wild and Free, Reclaiming Wonder in Your Child's Education, um, which kind of introduced me to the idea of wild schooling. So the great thing is the government is not going to come to my house and demand that I declare a philosophy. So I can kind of pick and choose and create, you know, sort of a patchwork quilt of ideas which is really cool. So in our house, we have kind of a rhythm. I've learned that people in the homeschooling community prefer to use the word rhythm as opposed to schedule because it's more um, fluid and doesn't put as much pressure, you know, on checking things off and ticking things off in boxes. So our rhythm um, kind of goes like this. So we wake up, my kids usually wake up between 6.30 and 7.30 in the morning. Um, we have breakfast and sometimes they like to make breakfast with me, you know, if we're doing pancakes or a banana bread or something like that, that involves baking. Um, so they do that with me and then we read a Bible story while we're eating breakfast and kind of talk about, you know, the lesson that we're going to learn about today, like what we're going to do today. Um, and then we do worship. So um, my children love to sing and they love to dance. And so do I, even though I'm terrible at it. So we'll put on um, some worship songs or we will um, put on some worship videos, you know, on YouTube, on our TV. And their favorite right now is Our God is Greater. So they know like every word to that song. So we do that in the morning. And um, that kind of checks off heart. So if you are familiar with Waldorf, I'm pretty sure it's Waldorf. It's either Waldorf or Montessori, but one of the two. It talks about um, how you need to cater to the heart, head, and the hands of the child. So I've kind of loosely structured our rhythm based on those three things. So the morning is um, catering to the heart and the um, spiritual and emotional needs of my children. And then after that, um, we go on a morning walk because I find that if I get my kids outside and allow them to expand early on in the day, um, the rest of the day goes a lot smoother. So we'll go on a morning walk, um, come back, and they typically have a snack while I am cleaning up the kitchen for breakfast and they get to kind of free play. Um, so they, you know, play pretend, they love to dress up, they love to um, build with their blocks. My daughter is very into playing teacher and um, mommy right now with her baby dolls. Um, and my son is very into dinosaurs, so they kind of gravitate towards those things. And they usually do that for an hour, maybe two hours, depending on how, you know, how many things I need to get done housework-wise, like laundry, if I need to, you know, tidy up the bathrooms or whatever. So then after that playtime, we go into our daily lessons. And I do, um, daily lessons, I do them together because my children are only 15 months apart and my son very much idolizes his older sister and wants to do everything she's doing. So we just kind of do like the general lesson together and then we do more of like the hands-on learning um, together at the table, but we do separate things. So an example of that would be, um, okay, we're learning about the letter A today. So you know, we trace the letter A in the sky with our fingers, and then we take each other's palms and we'll trace the letter A in our palms, and then we'll read a book, you know, about the letter A. I, I come up with like a silly rhyme or poem about the letter A, 
and then um, we will come to the table and my daughter will practice writing the letter A and recognizing it, you know, like in a book or um, on a sheet that I've printed out of all the letters, she'll circle all the A's. Um, while she's doing that, my son will kind of free draw. I will draw like a big A on his piece of paper and tell him, you know, to trace it because you know, his sister traces and he wants to do what she does. And so he'll start out trying to trace it. Um, but he's two and a half, he'll turn three in March. So it usually ends up in free drawing, which is fine. Um, or I'll have them make the A out of Play-Doh, um, which usually ends up into free play also. But it's just really gentle kind of introductions to these things. Um, and that caters to the head. So heart, head, and hands. We've already did heart, so now we're doing head. And I usually only spend about 10 minutes to 15 minutes on each subject um, because that's something Charlotte Mason was very, um, felt very strongly about was, you know, in younger children, you should only expect them to be able to really pay attention and give you their full attention for about 10 to 15 minutes. So Charlotte can give me about 15 minutes, Gabriel, you know, between five and 10 minutes, depending on the day. So we do a letter, we do numbers, um, we are kind of planting math seeds through other ways, like baking, you know, I'll set out all my tables, my measuring cups and say, you know, this one's one cup, this one's half a cup, which one's bigger? And, you know, she picks a one cup, so I say, okay, well, what if I only have a half a cup and the recipe calls for one cup? How many scoops could we use? And so, you know, we plant little seeds like that. We plant science seeds by talking about um, nature, obviously, when we go outside and how things work. Um, an example of that would be today while I was cooking dinner, um, my daughter actually asked, where's the fire? Because in her head, you know, fire heats things up. And when I'm cooking things, they get hot. And I said, oh, well, we have an electric stove. So there is no fire. She was really confused about that. So we kind of talked about, you know, I had one burner that was off and let her touch that and see that it was cold. And then I held her hand over the skillet you know, not obviously close enough to hurt her, but so she could feel the heat coming off of it and had her look, you know, at the cold skillet and see that there was no way a fire could come underneath it. We talked about how it plugs into the wall and that's where we get electricity. And then we kind of talked about coal mining and, you know, that led into a discussion about global warming and environmental studies. And, you know, she's four. So how much she's actually retaining, you know, I have no idea. She surprises me though. Like the other day, we were reading a book about ostriches, and uh, it said something about how ostriches have no teeth, so they ingest pebbles to help grind up their food. And Charlotte goes, oh, like dodo birds. And I kind of looked at her, I said, yep, you know what, exactly like dodo birds. And she had retained that little fact. And then the other day we were watching a show, a nature documentary, and the snake was eating an egg. And she goes, oh, he's eating an egg like a compsognathus, which is a type of dinosaur. And so she, you know, you never know what your kids are putting in their little reservoir of a brain. You know, you, you never know what they're soaking up and what they're going to retain. So I just explain everything um, and plant little seeds along the way. So anyway, that's daily lessons. Um, and then after that, we do an, a craft or baking, something that is with their hands. Um, then we go back outside, which caters to their heart and hands, you know, and head, if we're talking about what we're doing while we're outside. And then we do quiet time while mommy makes lunch and um, they're allowed to read or color or, um, do quiet boxes while I'm making lunch. And they're quiet boxes, like they'll have some pipe cleaners in there, um, strings and beads are in there. I wanna get a felting needle and some felt and put in there, just something small to keep them occupied that's quiet and not electronic. 
and then they'll eat lunch um, and then I usually turn on something educational for them to watch. They really like Super Y on PBS Kids, um, or Wild Kratts is a good one, or Octonauts. Um, so they get to watch that for a little bit. And then they have a snack. And then it's usually just free play, you know, in the evenings, um, they like to help me make dinner. Charlotte really likes to help me make dinner. So she does that. And um, yeah, then we just kind of have together time. Um, we do our bedtime routine, and then we go to bed. So that's kind of what our homeschooling day looks like for us. Um, it is not sleeping in late, staying in your pajamas all day, and doing whatever you want. Um, we're very much outside, you know, before the pandemic hit, I would like to think we would have been, you know, at this park, at this park, at this park, doing all sorts of different things. We would not have been at home very often. And we still aren't at home as often as I can get them out safely um, at different parks. So it should be called, you know, world school or outside school or something like that because homeschool feels very limiting but anyway that's what homeschooling looks like for us <coughs> as of right now um that might change as i learn more from other parents and from research but for right now that's what our homeschooling looks like and then i wanted to touch a little bit on how this homeschooling is going to help me achieve my goal of raising healers. I kind of talked about, <coughs> sorry, um, kind of talked about what raising healers meant to me in the last podcast, so I'm not going to rehash that. Um, if you're interested, you can go and listen to it. It's um, episode one of the second season, which is when we changed our name. Um, but anyway, I, I want to raise children who are compassionate and kind and empathetic and will leave a healing mark on this world as opposed to a destructive mark. So home education is going to do that for a multitude of reasons. Um, the first reason is they are going to be with me, you know, their mother, being nurtured in the way only a mother can nurture a child or a father can nurture a child in that very special way that only a parent can nurture. Um, and who loves my children more than me? God is the only person who loves my children more than I do or more than my husband does. So I know they're going to be getting what they need because I will make sure that they do because I love them. You know, and everything that I say is going to come from a place of love, is going to come from a place of passion. Whereas if they were in a classroom, you know, with 24 other kids, it's very easy to fall through the cracks or, you know, I mean, my best friend is a teacher and she says all the time how it can be really frustrating. You know, this one kid won't stop talking or this other kid's doing this or whatever. And you just snap at them out of frustration. And mothers do that too, but it'll be a lot easier for me having the two kids and being with them and nurturing them and you know nurturing their heart nurturing their head nurturing their hands <clears throat> so in that way it will help me achieve my goal um the other way that it will help me achieve my goal is making sure that the framework of their education is always pointing pointing towards Christ. So we talk about our actions glorifying him. You know, did it glorify your brother when you hit him? No, it did not. Or did it bless mommy when she asked you to pick up her toys and you said no and went to her room? So then mommy had to do it and, you know, that w I was late getting dinner on the table or, or whatever. But I can frame the way that their lessons are and I have the freedom to do that in a way that is spiritual and in a way that will bring them closer to Jesus. 
So it will help in that way. Um, and it will help, you know, in a million other ways, but just a couple more. They'll have the freedom to kind of express their own interests. They'll f have the freedom to find what excites them, um, what makes their hearts sing, you know, and really get in tune with what their calling is in this life. They will also be able to be exposed to a lot of different people, a lot of different cultures. We plan on traveling extensively, um, and you can't do that, you know, if you're in school from August till May. You can't do that. You can do it in the summer, but it'd be really cool to take my kids to Washington, D.C. to learn about government or to Gettysburg when we're talking about the Civil War. Or, you know, we can actually visit the places that we learn about in our books. And that will be really, really cool. They'll get a lot bigger um, vision of the world in that way. They'll have a lot larger, um, they'll, they will have a lot larger worldview being exposed to things like that. So, um, it'll also teach them responsibility, you know, taking responsibility for your education. If you want to learn something, you need to bring it to mommy's attention or whatever. Um, you know, if, if you want to learn computer programming and, you know, I can't teach you to do that, then you need to go on your own and figure out how to do it or figure out someone who will teach you how to do that and so on. So, I feel very strongly about home education <clears throat> right now. I think I'm going to continue the further along that I um, go and learn and explore and connect with different people. Um, I do want to recommend a couple books that really helped me when I first started out. So if you're curious about homeschooling or you're kind of feeling that call but you're scared, um, or, you know, you just want to learn more about it. Like I said earlier, The Call of the Wild and Free, Reclaiming Wonder in Your Child's Education by Ainsley Arment. Um, she's also the founder of Wild and Free, the curriculum. So that's a fantastic book to check out. Another fantastic book to check out is called The Brave Learner, Finding Everyday Magic in Homeschool, Learning, and Life by Julie Bogart. She is the creator of the Brave Writer curriculum and the founder of the Homeschool Alliance. And um, there's a really awesome foreword by Susan Wise Bauer, who is the author of The Well-Trained Mind. So those are two books I would highly recommend. Um, you can also find Julie Bogart on Instagram at The Brave Writer, or I think it's just Brave Writer. So... Those are um, two of the books that I would like to recommend to you. I also want to start giving shout outs to um, three Instagram accounts, every podcast that I feel like are very um, inspirational and contain a lot of great um, ideas on homeschooling things. Um, a lot of great thoughts. So I want to start doing that at the end of every podcast because I personally know how difficult it is to connect with other homeschooling families. Um, and I want to, you know, provide some different people to connect with for you guys. So um, the first account I want to recommend is called um, her handle is A Home Adventure in Wales, and it's all one word. Um, adventure is spelled E-D-V-E-N-T-U-R-E, -E -E, so at A Home Adventure in Wales. Um, she's wonderful. She posts a lot of really great pictures. Her daughter's four. Um, she posts a lot of great pictures um, about different things that they do, different craft ideas that they do. Um, and I really love her feed. So I would check her out. Um, another one is home underscore educating underscore barefoot. So at home underscore educating underscore barefoot. She is wonderful, um, very uplifting, has a lot of great things to say, and um, 
one of her big things is um, loving through chronic illness. And I relate to that a lot, struggling with mental health issues. So I would check her out for sure. And then the last one is at Daddy Homeschools, which is all one word. Um, he's a single dad homeschooling his three children and um, just a very inspirational man with a lot of great ideas and philosophies about homeschooling. Um, he does a lot of Charlotte Mason type homeschooling things. Um, and he just has a lot of good information. So, um, you can also find his podcast. It's the Daddy Homeschools podcast. It is, um, on Spotify. And if you go to his profile, um, there's a link in his bio. Um, so you can find those three lovely humans on Instagram, um, and you can find me on Instagram at Raising Healers, all one word. And I would love to connect with you. I would love to talk with you um, and exchange ideas and hear your thoughts. Um, so you can find me there. And I thank you for listening and would love to hear any comments, questions, or concerns that you may have about what I talked about. So thank you all for listening. I know this was a longer winded podcast, but I had a lot that I wanted to cover, a lot of information to cover, and a lot that I wanted to talk about. Um, Next week, or in the next couple weeks, my next episode is um, going to be about literature and homeschooling and um, the different books that I like to read to my children, Um, the differences between twaddle, which is a Charlotte Mason word, I believe, and, um, you know, the feast, the abundant feast that you lay out before your children. And I'm going to be talking about that, recommending some children's books, and um, just discussing literature-based education as a whole. So thanks for listening. Um, I am praying for all of you. I wish you have, I wish for you to have a beautiful and blessed week or upcoming weeks. And um, I will talk to you soon.